Greetings, Nate Freeman from uh, Undisclosed Airport Location. Doesn't look like you're in the club. Looks like you're out there with the holy poly. Yeah, I'm not in the club. I know that's your, more your milieu. Right now, I'm just going on a non, you know, not, I'm going on a ski trip, you know, just, just hanging out with the people. Uh, an undisclosed ski hill of, of, of quite renowned. So you're going to Killington up there in Vermont? A little ice skiing for you? I don't skin the East Coast, dude. Oh, shots fired against all my Yankee brethren who are out there sliding down the ice. Uh, we will we'll leave your <laughs> your family vacation private. I don't want to pry too much. Um, also, I don't know how to whistle, which has always been a problem for me. Oh um, God! <laughs> anyway, um, a lot going on in the world. Obviously, there's some some technical difficulties meant we couldn't have a podcast last week. Huge bummer. Um, technical difficulties. Technical difficulties. Yeah, I think the, it was somewhere. Well, yeah, the difficulty was I didn't want to haul a bunch of fucking podcast gear on vacation, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was the technical <laughs> difficulty. Is I'm not that cucked as of yet. Well, look at me doing God's work from an undisclosed location. It's yeah, listen, just, you know. You're a better man than I. You're a real a real working journalist. I'm just a dilettante. But, well, really, I wanted to take some time out of, out of my layover. It's <laughs> not, not that, that, that tough uh, because there's a lot to discuss, man. There, there is a lot. I mean, I, listen, we like to keep it light. We like to keep it a little bit frivolous. We're obviously talking about people spending millions and millions of dollars on decorative mm-hmm. art they place on their walls. We try and keep it, you know pretty punchy but there's been some real news in the world and uh i feel like it would be a miss even for even for someone as shallow as myself not to mention the fact that uh there's war in europe for the first time in either of our lifetimes um really in our parents lifetime uh russia has invaded the ukraine and just moments ago because i'm a stalker and i'm constantly on the vanity fair website just thirsty for more nate freeman in my life i noticed that you're that's what everyone should be doing yeah really i noticed that you're which usually appears sometime late Friday afternoon, a little too late for my taste, uh, popped up on Thursday, and uh, you were, uh, well, not on the ground. It seems like you did some deeply researched and reported uh, uh, reportage on the situation in Ukraine and how it's affecting various visual artists and collectors there. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I do like to be on the ground when I'm reporting. I, I, you know, I've got nothing on Sean Penn, and I, I did not go to Kiev myself. But uh, <laughs> but what I did do is I, I really did a big investigation into what is happening with the contemporary art scene in, in, in Ukraine, specifically in Kiev. And uh, yeah, I think it's actually, you know, it's a great read, and it's kind of just sheds a light, uh, sheds a light on a part of this global tragedy, um, this war, this just act of just unprovoked aggression. It hasn't really been written about, uh, at least not that I've seen. Um, really, just focusing on on Ukraine, not about the, the Russian oligarchs, of course. There's a lot to write about there, uh, but I wanted to focus on, you know, this art scene that had been building up in Ukraine since they became a democratic country in 2014, and just sort of disappeared in a matter of days. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I you know, obviously, I knew about Victor Punchuk and the Punchuk uh, uh, Foundation there, whatever it's called, which is more on the high end. Jeff Koons. That whole yeah. kind of scene, I knew about that. But you reported on some other collectors and some other more kind of artist-run or artist-run adjacent type of spaces. Um, do you want to? And one that was supposed to have a show open last week that they obviously had to delay. Um, what was the name of that space and the artist? Uh, that was the WT Foundation uh, uh, and the artist of Volodenza. Um But but yeah, so I also uh, you know was mostly aware of you know Ukraine collectors 
because of Victor, he's you know long been a staple on the R News uh, top 200 collectors list. He sort of like had had a big come up around 2008 when um, he started buying up a ton of masterpieces. Um, he was flying people around in a private jet. There's a great talk of the pastor in the New Yorker about him being feted at the Paris Park Hotel by owner Avery Rosen, fellow so, you know trophy hunting collector. And he talks about how he just took Andreas Gursky on his private jet, picked him up in Dusseldorf, like a good guy does. You know, you know Dusseldorf, you pick up your buddies. Um, and so he, yeah, he's a very attention-seeking, high-profile collector who, you know, founded this art center in Kiev that for decade, for over a decade was the only major contemporary art center in Ukraine. And, um, you know, from what I heard, there were lines on the block uh, because it was free. And, you know, the kids in Ukraine really, really like going to this. But, you know, I wanted to, yeah, investigate, you know, sort of other collectors, other dealers, other artists, other spaces there. And what I found was there was a really exciting, uh, you know, art scene that was kind of akin to, like, the Lower East Side in the, you know, like, you know, circa 2006, 2007, like, small but very potent. And, um, you know, there's a real collector base and uh you know artists that would sometimes come in from berlin uh sometimes come in you know from other countries in eastern europe but you know a lot of them are ukrainian yeah and uh there's actually uh uh you you spoke to a collector there walter temke i think that's how you say his name uh who i think i've actually met um who talked about Mm -hmm. um you know uh you know what was going on there, like friends of his in IT that are that are picking up firearms and joining the militias, um, and they were about to open a show by an artist by the name of Volvo Bez, Bevza, mm-hmm. I believe, yeah. uh, at what they call D- WT Foundation, and um, yeah. Well, yeah, it was surreal talking to Walter because it was like you know it was talking to someone that we would see at an opening in New York. This guy, yeah, you met him. I don't think I met him before I started reporting the story, but. We have a lot of mutual friends. He buys from, you know, a lot of our friends. We're dealers, collects artists that we're friends with. Um, but he, you know, is, is Ukrainian and felt the need to open his foundation in Kiev. And uh, he was really uh, doing a lot to bring artists to the show quite frequently in New York, Los Angeles, and, and Berlin and London to Kiev. And um, by all accounts, he was really popular uh, and successful. Um, you know, he has like a really you know, a deep collection full of all the names that we know. I think he was trying to highlight, you know, Ukrainian artists or artists that aren't as well known in his foundation, which is the WT Foundation. And yeah, there was a show that was about to open on Thursday, which is when Putin announced at six in the morning that there was going to be a military exercise that, of course, turned out to be uh, all-out war, unprovoked entirely. Um, yeah, I mean, really harrowing stuff. I encourage everyone to to go on to the Vanity Fair website and read this. Um, you spoke to a lot of other people that were, you know, that are curators there um, on the ground about their experiences, either staying in Kiev uh, uh, or um, trying to find their way towards the West and towards safety. Um, really rough stuff, but really valuable reporting. And I, I say this really genuinely. I hate to be so genuine, but this is a really touching uh, I know, story. And, and, you know, like... It's not possible for, for someone like me to write about uh, what's happening in Ukraine. Every week, you know, I write about the contemporary art world. Uh, but um, I thought it was just really important right now to just tell stories that hadn't really been told Listen, uh, directly. It, it's a lot more valuable than all the infographics from various collectors and artists that I've seen on the Instagram. Um, 
And I do want to segue into our usual banter, although it's not a full pivot, yeah. to talk about uh, the auctions that are still taking place uh, in London this week. All the main evening sales are done. Uh, Christie's kicked it off with like a fucking hours long slog, followed by Sotheby's. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some talk that maybe there were some, I mean, it's crazy that there were all these huge sales while there's a war going on in Europe. Um, that there were, you know, some, there was some talk that there were some decreased prices, like a uh, Lucian, uh, uh, excuse me, know, Fra- my, Francis my... Bacon that sold on one bid, and there was kind of chatter. Oh, it's because that's a mm-hmm. very Russian identified market. Um, I think that's that's kind of, you know, I'm not sure if that's really uh, the case. But it what really came to a head last night, uh, the Post published a story uh, highlighting uh, Andy Hall, uh, the great collector uh, and former uh, oil trader's uh, call to boycott Phillips, which is a Russian-owned auction house. Um, yeah. Which I have to say, I like to make fun of Phillips. I used to work there. They're clearly the, the third man in the race, you know, kind of lagging behind uh, its two bigger and much stronger brothers. But I find this a little bit of much ado about nothing. Uh, the uh, the guys that started Phillips, the Leonids, uh, haven't re- They're resi- not connected to Putin at they're all. They're not connected they're, to Putin at not, all. They're not oligarchs. No. They, you know, they, they made their money in retail and schmata, really, very high-end retail. Um, but, you know, they, they, they didn't, you, you know, an, an oligarch is someone who took a, a formerly state-controlled uh, segment right. of the economy and was able to buy in or get in early uh, using personal connections and payoffs to then take control and take it private. They're anything but that. Um, while they've clearly made money in the new Russian economy in the post-Soviet era, they're totally unconnected from Putin. They weren't even at the level where they got flown in for that big meeting. Um, they're a U.S. registered company. Like, there's very little, uh, uh, you know, and very little connection to the power structure there. I find it a little bit of of people just kind of trying to find something th- that is wrong there, and I think it's a little bit wrongheaded. But it did cause Phillips to decide to donate their entire uh, pro- not profit, but their entire buyer's premium from this uh, the just concluded evening sale today that still did see a number of volats withdrawn i presume by nervous consigners worried about their money getting tied up in some sort of legal wrangling and or just people not bidding but they're giving all that money to the ukrainian red cross um which is certainly honorable yeah. but i mean yeah i got an email i think just a you know a half an hour ago it's going to be um uh 5.8 million pounds being donated to the ukrainian red cross society which is amazing That's 500 awesome. million like, pounds like, 5.8. Okay, 5.8. Okay, just to be clear. Yeah. Um, that seems much more yeah. reasonable, but still incredibly generous uh, and really necessary. Although, you know, there certainly are a much, uh, many more, I would say, closer to the power structures of the Kremlin bad actors that are involved in our world uh, as collectors. And certainly. it's interesting to see what will happen to some of their property. We've seen today for the first time a couple of boats being seized, uh, one in mm-hmm. Germany, and I believe one off the coast of Spain that are owned by... Uh, Russian uh, uh, Putin connected uh, folks. Uh, so we'll see if that will continue on to works of art or paintings that haven't been, you know, it's pretty easy mm-hmm. to hide and or, and or uh, insulate these things through various legal entities. Right. I mean, you know, without going into too much detail, because, you know, I, I sort of spent more time with the Ukrainians this week than the Russians, but I think things in, in Venice will be slightly different than, than, than usual. I think there are a number of Russian oligarchs who like to flaunt you know, boatware and or uh, palazzos in Venice during the opening of Biennale, and we probably will not be seeing a bunch of that this year. Not so much, but I'm sure there are other billionaires from other parts of the world that will be more than happy <laughs> to take over those slips uh, right there uh, across from San Marcos Square. 
um, for their uh, for their seagoing uh, ships. Um, it's a sad time, totally. um, but it is what's going on. But there was some other <laughs> stuff beyond beyond that. I mean, there were there were other things that the world uh, does continue to turn. Um, hopefully, we can get through some of these before your flight gets called to board. We got plenty of time. We got plenty of time. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you're, oh, yeah. you're missing a huge, huge NFT focused opening at oh, the know. Jack Hanley Gallery I, tonight. I, I haven't we're, actually. We're I, I fucking, haven't told Jack that I'm missing the dinner. Uh, well, well, I, I, I can just, I can just be Nate Freeman. You just send me the info. I'll be there. Could you actually? Yeah. Could you literally just go as me and yeah. just be like Jack Nate, Nate skiing? Yeah, because yeah, Lucy has to go to the country anyway. So if you wanted to go, that'd depends be great. on what time it starts. Frankly, you know, I'm an old man, but I I could I could. Um, but so Beeple is opening the Jack Hanley Gallery. I, it's hard for me to shit on this as much as I like to shit on NFTs and Beeple, who I find particularly egregious, mostly for the amazing PR job that he's been running on the art world over the past six months or so. You know, this kind of Babe in Woods at the art fair kind of act, or Babe in Woods at a gallery is I think tiresome and feels fake. But anyway, but Jack fucking Hanley, absolute legend. Former guitar tech to Jerry Garcia, uh, Bay Area stalwart. uh, In later years, has had a New York gallery for, I guess, over a decade now, maybe close to 15 years. Um, is romantically tied to iconic photographer Cindy fucking Sherman, which is just Absolutely. an OG OG move. I actually bumped into Jack this past summer. I was uh, I was uh, at the end of season uh, dance at a yacht club uh, on the eastern end of Long Island, <laughs> uh, about as waspy as you can get. I'm shimmying to some '50s era music. Uh, had had some some food from the buffet, and I'm dancing. I look across. And it's mostly an older crowd, shall we say, and that keeps. And this guy that looks like Jack Hanley, I'm like, that's impossible. It's impossible that Jack Hanley is here at closing party. But nonetheless, there Jack Hanley was, and we linked and build on the dance floor of a uh, you know 150 year old uh, uh, waspy yacht club in Long Island. Um, but anyway, so that is something that's happening. Maybe I'll go to the dinner as your thing. I can see you working on your keyboard right now, sending me that email. Uh, yeah, currently right now, yes, yeah. But um, no, I, 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 I have similar feelings for people. I haven't seen a show apart from just images of it. I did have a nice time chatting with him in Miami. Introduced uh, a, a friend of the pod, Louis Guzera, introduced me. Um, and you know, he is self-aware at the very least. Like he knows sort of like the scam he's pulling on people, and he knows how ridiculous all this is. I, I, I know how that can seem like a sort of PR job. But I think he just like legitimately is like, you know, sort of wide eyed about all of this. And like, like, it's just, there's just like having fun. Like, like, you know, I like, guess so. the, I'll take your tequila word for and like hanging out. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't have to love the work and think that people is like a decent guy. Okay. I mean, there's some racial overtones to the work that I think people have highlighted that I find distasteful. Well, that's a whole different thing. You know, I mean, we'll have we'll have Ben Davis on the pod to explain that because <laughs> I, I, I can't exactly remember what hard what hard, hard pass and same. I remember the top, like I remember the sub headline, but I certainly didn't read the body text. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's interesting that Luik, uh, who I find incredibly charismatic and hard not to like close up, but from afar, it gets a little bit easier um, to perhaps like be just kind of wowed and confused by the machinations that allowed him to grow so close to this author of the world's most expensive digital artwork. 
Um, yeah. you, has there been? Any, do you have any insight? Did he just like reach out? Did did Luik just reach out to him? I just wonder how that relationship grew. And clearly, he's he's kind of helping to now pilot that ship through the contemporary art market waters. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's any official arrangement. I think that they just vibe. You know, it was a vibe shift, and and Luik just like you know the the surfer that he is, he just rode that new five ways. Yeah, I think Luik is a little bit more strategic than you're giving him credit for. <laughs> The man who may very well have out hits on his head. I think he doesn't think do things quite so casually. Um, Louis, you're not listening, but if you if you want to come explain, he's surfing. I was wondering if it was an east. How that's how the Jack Handley thing maybe happened is like they linked and built out east over the summer um, because that seems like a little bit off piste uh, for Jack. And I'm frankly surprised that he and Louis have a relationship, although clearly they do. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe Luik scored some of those Taubas from Jack for auction back when he was at Christie's. Wow, let's go. Yeah, I mean, hey, yeah, that actually seems not implausible now that I say it out loud. Uh, there's a lot of other openings happening in New York that you're missing. I'm actually going to go out for the first time in ever. I'm going to go check out the Emma Stern show at Half Gallery. Uh, yeah, how was that? I'm sure it looks great. Yeah, I went to go see it. It's it's pretty it's pretty good work. I'm, I'm interested in the work. I'm interested in women that are taking control of technologies that have often been used, uh, almost much like Cindy Sherman did 40 years ago, taking control of new technologies that have been used to allow the male gaze. How much did that Lord Quinn sell for today? Uh, A little bit over a half a million U.S. dollars, I believe, depending on the conversion Uh rate. Okay. Right. Yeah, I mean, we're not getting too deep into the, uh, you know, there's a lot of auction details. It's the same the same story that's been true for the past 18 months. Uh, a march of lemmings all chasing the same six to 12 names, uh, while tons of good work in the day sale can be had for a penny. Um, I think that's the top line without digging down into the data. Um, maybe we'll, have, we'll certainly have lock on before the May auctions to kind of preview them. We didn't have a chance to do that this go around. I mean, Joel Messler selling for almost a million dollars. Um, Unbelievable. I mean, that's... That- Joel, who's doing a talk at his gallery show at LVMH or whatever it's called now with Dominique Levy. <laughs> I, ref- I refuse to ever learn the actual acronym. I'm sorry, guys. I was invited to an opening party that was just thrown by Salon 94. So I don't really know what's going on. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I've always been suspicious of the tie-up, but I mean, certainly the branding on the Levy Gorvey side has all switched over. Because um, I gotta go. I, you're doing your ski thing, fucking Charlie. He, Charlie here don't ski, but I gotta do some apres ski in the middle of the country next week. Uh, so more about that certainly. Uh, another thing, uh, your uh, uh, the heir to your wet paint uh, throne uh, empire, really. Uh, reported today. Top item is this whole brouhaha. She noted that uh, Jamie and Julian Villani, a uh, great New York painter, uh, as well as someone else who I wasn't familiar with, uh, were no longer listed on their... <laughs> Dan. Uh, Dan Hersline. Dan Hersline, yeah. Um, oh, on their uh, their former New York gallery, JTT. Their names are no longer on the site. Uh, Jamie confirmed that she had left, as did Dan. Um, and uh, uh, Annie, that's her name, right? Um attempted to uh, kind of uh, ask, you know, oh, what's happening at JTT? It seems like, you know, I, and my guess is like, Jamie is just like, I'm out, like, you know, creative differences. I need something a little bigger, my guess, uh, uh, is, is her thing. And Dan, I wonder if it was much more of a mutual situation to decide to part ways. Um, but I don't think it really tells us anything about what's really one of the hottest galleries in New York right now, still, even with the loss of these two names, has multiple people that will be in the Venice and Whitney Biennale, 
um, you know, kind of firing on all cylinders, about to open a huge new space down by Kreps at uh, all in Tribeca. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add. Well, I mean, you know, uh, it's true they both left the gallery. I think Dan left, uh, you know, sometime in the middle of last year. Jamie and left, you know, around the same time. So this is not necessarily new. Um, neither of them had shows the gallery in over a year. Uh, so, you know, and then they have other galleries. You know, so, like, yes, they both left. The thing is, like, you know, it's kind of a weird sort of angle to take on JTT, which is truly having one of the best years of, like, any gallery I can think of, you know. Uh, Aline Cameron Weirs in the Vence Biennale, along with Sylvia Lee Smith. You know, Jane Garner just was in Bitter New York. You know, Borna Smock and, and uh, Sam McGinnis are, are, you know, two of the most celebrated painters around. I, you know, it's just, it, it, I don't know. I, it, I, I it, seem, it seemed friend, tone deaf. It seems like she actually missed the plot. She found the plot well, points yeah. and she should be credited for that. But the, the meta narrative, well, I think she got wrong. Dan and Jamie are, are great artists. And like, yes, it's like a bummer to, to, to they're, they were trying to rally it no longer. Of course, that's a bummer. But I, I, it's just like, to, to make that mistake, which didn't make any sense to me. Like, Jasmine is running, like, the best operation in New York. He's about to open this ginormous space. Like, yeah, like, smartest left in the last year. That's okay. It's hard to be uh, as cool and as serious at the same time as Jasmine is, and she pulls it off. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you know, great. I mean, no disrespect to Andy, of course. It was, uh, you know, uh, a nice column, as always. Uh, but I just think that, yeah, like, you lose art sometimes. Um. All right then. Uh, I know you have a flight to get on. Did we cover all the main points of the of the week? I think we did. I mean, I think we did. I mean, what what I do want to say just in general is that New York is heating up every single weekend from now until you know Venice and beyond. To you know, Freeze and Independent is just jam packed. I am getting a lot of you know dinner invites, you know party invites. So I think that Nota Bene is going to be as exciting or more exciting than it's ever been. Oh, we get some, so we get some stuff coming up, and we've said it before. I'll say it again. New York is back. I was linking up with friend of the pod, Don Lemon, yesterday, and he was talking about a birthday Let's dinner go. he had at Polo Lounge and all the different celebs and people that were in uh. there on a random, I guess that was Tuesday or Wednesday night. He said it was popping off. Mm. Uh, uh, it's going well, to be an exciting spring. It's going to be major. It really is. And you know, Ben, I'm looking forward to getting to do this podcast in person again. I know that we both. Been I miss you've been every that, you've been everywhere, Nate. I don't even know where you are anymore. Only because yeah, only because I mean, your I, wife's I Instagram either. do I get any sense of where you are. <laughs> well, I mean, she's very very good at that, so no one ever needs to know where I am. It's, it's, just uh, call Lucy, everyone. Text. Call Lucy. I'm sure yeah. you, I'm sure your editor has already learned. Nate's late. Just text <laughs> Lucy. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Bobby. Right, well, I'll see you note, back in I mean, next in, in New York next week. Maybe we'll get together for an in person podcast. If not, we'll definitely be chatting and uh, safe skiing, man. Wear a helmet, okay? I always wear a helmet. Those mountains are crazy. Safety first. Nota bene. Safety first. Out. Yeah.